Hello and welcome to another episode of our Revolutionary Podcast. This is Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor, as well as the pastor of TabernacleofGod.Church. My purpose is to help you find faith in Christ and follow through in your life. And that's why I started a brand new sermon series this last week called Lent. I know it's not super creative, but it was the whole point of it. And the sermon series, I kind of break it down just what it is and why we're doing it in the sermon And the big idea is really, you and I have an issue. We tend to remember the things we should forget, and we tend to forget the things we should remember. And because of that, we need certain rhythms and certain routines to remind us the things that matter most. And so let's dive right in and see what God has to say. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start a season in a new sermon series for the next six weeks called Lent. All right, now, I don't know if you've ever seen that word, heard of that word. Maybe for some of you, you might associate Lent with a few other experiences. Maybe you have no clue what it is. It's not like that belly button Lent or anything like that, all right? It's not like that. I know it's kind of, for some people, it sounds weird. But it's just that time of year when us as Christians, we tend to remember these three things here. There's remember, repent, and then renew, all right? Those three things. And our soul ain't no different than your phone or your car or your bodies. All right, I'm pretty sure some of you, you ever have that yearly doctor's checkup, right? That dentist appointment, right? You have one of those, you have your car, and he's at check engine light, you gotta change the oil, right? You gotta do maintenance, right? Your phone, don't they need updates from time to time, right? Here and there. So, all of those things, right, they need a regular, a routine, a rhythm of maintenance. And guys, listen, you, you ain't no different, and your soul, is no different. Your soul needs that. And so this time of year, uh, Christians that are around the world, we are ramping up, getting ready to celebrate Easter Sunday. Anybody know about Easter Sunday coming up in about six weeks? Again, Alicia, my wife, she's going to share something super important at the end of the day today about Easter Sunday. So I'm just going to drop that and just, just leave it dangling. But anyways, uh, that time, this time prior to, again, why do we celebrate Easter Sunday? Look, as a Christian, we don't just celebrate and we shouldn't just celebrate the cross of Jesus once a year. We ought to celebrate that resurrection every single morning, every single Amen. day. It's not a yearly, like a Christmas or birthday thing. No, it should be a, a everyday thing. But we do it every year because it was around that time when it happened. And so it's, you know, it's good to pause and remember what happened at this specific time in history 2,000 years ago. And so because of that, we have this kind of like a pregame ritual, you know, where we are getting ourselves ready. Remembering who he is, remembering who he's doing. We need that routine, that rhythm of remembering. And here's the thing. I'm going to remind you of something that's obvious. Listen, y'all don't need me to tell you this. I'm going to say something right now that you can be like, duh, bro. Like, I showed up to hear that kind of revelation. I was like, listen, I'm about to say something to you that you know is right, that we all agree on. Yeah, I need to remind you because it is so obvious that sometimes it's so easy to forget. And here's what I want to tell you. Something's not right in the world. You heard of that? Something's not right. I'm pretty sure we'd all agree something's not right. Now, again, you know that. You don't need me to tell you that for you to know that because we all know. And you don't have to go any farther than yourself. Have you ever, because I know I'm not the only one, have you ever said this phrase about yourself to yourself? You say something dumb, you did something ridiculous, and you just said to yourself, Yo, what's wrong with me? Right? You ever done one of those? Right? You ever said something just so, like, I don't know, like, weird or obnoxious or just dumb? Like, I said that? Like, 
weird. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Alicia has a phrase. She doesn't say that when I do stuff. Her phrase, the way she says, what's wrong with you when I do stupid stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and she says this. She goes, what am I going to do with you? That's her question. Which when I do something to say something dumb, she's like, what am I going to do with you? I'm like, I don't know. Look, let's kiss and we'll figure it out later. But anyway, so what am I going to do with you? Right? She's saying that right now. I'm like, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> what's wrong with me? Listen, I, and there's silly things, right? Like, I know there's one thing that I know is wrong with me, and here's what it is. I like to bother you. I like to, if, if you know that there's something, if I know that there's something that, like, if I say this, it's going to get under your skin. If I do this, it's going to annoy you. I don't know why I want to do it. I, I just, I do it. I want to do it. If I know it, I'm like, I want to do it. And I'm going to go, like, my mom hated it. Hated the way I used to call her name. And when I found out she hated it, I did it worse. Okay? Because I knew she hated it. I tried to get her attention, and, you know, she didn't like it, so then I exaggerated it even more. Here's how I used to get my mom's attention when I was a kid. Mommy, 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 It's annoying, right? It's annoying, right? And I knew it was annoying by her reaction. If you want to do it even worse, mommy, mommy, mommy. I wanted to do it even more exaggerated because I knew it bothered her because I don't know, I like that. I used to do the things to my brother that I knew would bug him. My friends, teachers, I mean everybody. Alicia, I know, I know she hates being scared. And the fact that I have not put a fake snake in the bed or jump scared her from the closet or something like that in 13 years of being married, well, number one, I say it's a miracle, but at the same time, I'm not that dumb, because I know she'd kill me. Like, legit kill me. So, as much as I want to, do scare her so bad, and I know I could. I don't, but still, it's something's wrong. You catch me? I, I know now you guys are saying this to yourself. Like, what's wrong with him? Right? What's wrong? I've, I've said that all the time. What's wrong with me? Now, that's silly, but I know a lot of times we can say it in a serious way, right? When you do that thing that you promised you'd never do again, What's wrong with you? Right? You ever done that? When you said, I never, I said it, I never, I, I know how I'm going to wake up the next day. I know how I'm going to feel. I know that this isn't what I should, should be doing. I don't even want to do it. I know that this is hurting people, but I find myself doing the same thing over and over again. What's wrong with you? Anybody? What's wrong with you? I ask that a lot. And then there's a sarcastic way of saying that. What's wrong with you? When somebody usually says that because they're trying to argue for their lifestyle, right? Or argue for their point of view. It's like, what's wrong with the way I dress? What's wrong with the way I feel? What's wrong with the way I think? What's wrong with the way I view myself or the way I approach this or identify myself? What's wrong with this? Right? And we have, those are the three ways we can ask that question. And here's the thing about, regardless of how you ask it, okay? Regardless of how you ask it. We are identifying that there is a sense of right and wrong, right? There is such a sense of right and wrong. And if there is a sense of right and wrong, I'm sorry, do you all agree with me that not everybody could be right? Yeah. Somebody got to be wrong. Because if there is a sense of right and wrong, not everybody could be right. And because we believe that there's such a thing as right and wrong, we know that something is wrong with the world. We, we not only recognize that in ourselves, what's wrong with me, we see it in other people. What's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with my boss? What's wrong with this so-and-so? 
What's wrong with these people that can't put their shopping carts in the designated area and just leaves it randomly in the parking lot? Listen, listen, I'm Hispanic, I can say this, I love my people. But I'm sorry, oh my gosh. I went to, this last week I went to a, you know, a Spanish supermarket. I passed, I don't know, like a dozen, a dozen parking spots, sometimes right at the very front. Can't park there because there's like eight shopping carts. Where are the parking spots supposed to be? Eight feet away from the designated area where all the shopping carts are supposed to go. I'm like, senora. Please. It's right there. That's a parking spot. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with people, right? Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? But we know, yo, something is wrong with the world. Something's wrong with the world. This is why you and I all want to make it right, don't we? This is why when you think, you dream, what am I going to be when I grow up? Not just so you can make money, but so you can make a difference, right? We think like that. We don't want to, why do we want to make a difference in the world? Because we know that something isn't right. We know that something isn't right. We want to change the world, but unfortunately, none of us know how in the world to do it. We don't. You and I, we can make a difference. I ain't gonna lie. We can make a difference, but can we really make things differently? Is there a plan that, man, if we follow as a human race for the next thousand years, the world can hit a certain level that it'll never go backwards? Right? We can make a difference, but we can't make things different for two reasons. The problem is worse than any of us can comprehend. And you and I are part of the problem. It just is. Now, we're not without hope, though, guys. We can make things right. There is a way to get things right. But because we are a part of the problem, we can't be a part of the solution. It's something bigger than ourselves. And that's what we have in Christ. That's what we have. But before we realize how we can make things right in Christ, or how God, Jesus, can make things right, we have to start by looking at where it all went wrong in the very beginning. So if you, here in Genesis, we have a story, an account where Moses, the Holy Spirit is a revelation to Moses of what went wrong. When did everything go wrong? And I'm going to read to you. This is after creation, after the establishment of of all things here in verse chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, 15, 17. It says, the Lord God, and by the way, I want you to notice how many times I say the Lord God, so come back to that. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work and watch over it. Listen, uh, work came before the fall, so work was not a curse, okay? Work is a good thing. Work is not a four-letter word, okay? So uh, that's what happened. Here we see... God put Adam in charge of the garden. The world, though, was not a perfect paradise. It was just a jungle. But Eden was like a garden. Eden was a perfectly manufactured, manicured garden. And Adam was given the first job in history, park ranger. Okay? That's what Adam had to do. He had to take care of the park, kind of keep the bushes all trimmed up, make sure the animals were taken care of. That was his first job ever. So here he goes, and the Lord God commanded this man, you are free. Bro, you are free right now. You are free. As you work, you are free to have fun. Eat from the trees. Eat from any of the trees in the garden. But, 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 you must not eat from the tree. There's one tree you can't touch. You can't eat it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you do on that day, you can die. That would have been like, huh? <laughs> I was like, well, can you repeat that one more time? It's like those commercials. Here's the commercials. Everyone's just like dancing and having fun and smiling. And then in the commercial, it's like, you know, could cause, you know, could cause cancer and sudden death when upon taking this medication. And everyone's all like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at each other. And so he's like, uh, touch it, die. What? <laughs> Fast forward. 
Hey, Adam, Adam ain't alone anymore. Adam got a little honey next to him. We got Adam and Eve now. Chapter 3, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Time out. If you've ever seen in the Old Testament especially phrases like the beasts of the field or like wild animals, it could mean you know, literal animals, but it also is Hebrew in representation of demonic spirits. So if you ever read the wild beasts of the field, that was... It could reference demons. So here it's saying that the devil was the most cunning of all of the angels, of all of the angels that rebelled against God that was cast out of earth that became demons. The devil was the most cunning. He speaks up and he goes, notice here that the Lord God made, right? You see the Lord God highlighted up there? The Lord God. But what does the devil say? He said to the woman, did God really say? What's missing, guys? It's, it's obvious. What's missing? Lord, right? And the devil didn't do that by accident. When he said to Eve, not the Lord God, was it to God? See, the Lord, guys, is the word, it's Jehovah, it's this all-encompassing, all-powerful, the number one guy, the boss, the chief, the head honcho, that's what the Lord means, the king of kings, the guy who calls the shots. When the devil said to Eve, did God say, he presented Eve religion without a relationship with God. He, presented, he didn't deny that God didn't exist, he just denied God's authority. And by just saying, did God say that? Already put a little seed, ticking time bomb in her heart and her mind. That says, hey, you can call the shots too. You can call the shots too. It's not just the Lord God, it's just God. And notice what he says. Did he do that? The woman said, did he say that? He said, well, we can eat from any other trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle. Smack in the middle. God said, no, nah, you, you, you can't eat it. Don't even touch it or you're going to die. She kind of added that, but whatever. She was, I would be like that. I was like, don't, don't even look at it, bro. I was like, I, you know, it's going to kill you. What is it? What do you mean to die? I don't know. But I don't want to find out, right? Because no one died at this point. The devil said, no, 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 no. You're not going to die. Already rewriting what God has spoken. Yeah. Rewriting truth. No, he didn't say, you're not going to die. In essence, he's saying, God is lying to you. Because God said, you're going to die. He's like, no, you're not. He's lying. Look what else he says. The serpent said, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes are going to be open, which he didn't lie, man. they did, you'll see in a minute, and you're going to be like God. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve forgot to remember a key detail, because prior to this, it was says God and mankind was made in the image of God, and here he's saying, mm -hmm. no, if you eat this, now you can be like him. He is casting a shadow on the character of God and on their identity, yeah. because they were already like God. He said, no, no, you're going to eat this. Then you'll really be like God. You're missing out. You're missing out. The woman said, saw the tree that was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for attaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Adam wasn't gone. Adam was right there silently. Yo, you're making a point. Okay. I know Eve kind of get all the, the slack, don't she? You know, he'd, he'd get all blank. Yo, fellow sitting there not saying, not saying anything. And this dude, you know, the devil's hollering at his girl. He didn't say a thing. Adam is the one who messed up. She ate, gave it to him, and he ate. And then they're both, oh, both their eyes were open, and they knew they were naked. So that they sewed fig leaves together, together and made a covering for themselves. Uh, see, right there, their eyes were open. The devil didn't lie. He said, you eat this, your eyes are going to be open. He didn't lie to them. That was the truth. But then they, it wasn't exactly what they thought it would be. Now, I can't prove this, guys. I was trying to look for this in confirmation. 
Because I don't get it. I'm like, yo, if they were, if they were naked in the, in the beginning, then, you know, well, just like, oh, now we naked? Like, what happened? Like, you know, like, that was weird. Now, when we look at the Old and New Testament, it actually says, it actually says that if you're a believer in Christ, you are robed in the righteousness of Christ. You are covered with, like, Jesus, like if he was a coat. So when Jesus, God looks at you, he doesn't see you. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus because when Jesus came on the cross, God looked at Jesus and saw you. So now that when he sees you, you see Jesus. He sees Jesus. And so it was a covering. I wouldn't be surprised if the glory of God covered Adam and Eve. Yeah. And the second that they disobeyed, the second that they did that, that covering was gone and they realized, uh-oh, I'm missing something. I should have been covered now and now. There's this innate desire. Immediately, what do they do? They realize something is missing. I need to cover this up. I goofed up. Now I need to cover this up. Right? We've all done that. We've all done something. We're like, yo, I got Gotta, gotta cover up my tracks, right? I gotta, you know, delete that text, you know, thread. I gotta, I gotta delete my search history. No, nobody's done that, right? You know, I, I, I gotta cover up that smell, right? I gotta cover up that scent. I gotta cover up my track. I gotta get my story straight. Because you don't want to get what? You don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get caught. Some, they just realized for the first time, they not, the knowledge that they gained was not informational knowledge of what is good and what is evil. It was ex experience. They came to know all they've known is good up until this point. Now they know what failure looks like, what, what regret looks like, what disappointment looks like, what fear looks like. They've never known that before, but now they know it. Not because of its information, but here. And he, here's the thing, guys, what happened. All hell broke loose when they broke that call. you got to understand this. This is, this is bigger than just, oops, I did it again, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? This was more than just God saying, ah, you're cool, just don't do it again. No, no, you have to understand in the spirit something happened. All hell broke loose when they broke that law. Sin entered the world and altered everything at this moment. This isn't just a simple, my bad, my bad. It was bigger than this. In fact, the, way, the best way that I can picture it is this. They're in China in 1975. 1975, there was this dam that was established, built there in Benkiao, the city called Benkiao. And that wasn't the only one. There was a sequence of dams that were all set up there. And in 1975, a typhoon showed up. A typhoon showed up and dumped. Listen, guys, it dumped a year's worth of rain in that area in just 24 hours. Can you process that? I know in Florida it rains a lot, but could you imagine a storm coming in and dumping a year's worth of our rain in one spot in 24 hours? That's what happened. The dam wasn't made for that. It wasn't made to withhold all that pressure. So it broke. It collapsed. It failed. And then like a domino, like a sequence, as a wall of water is now rushing down the region, 61 other dams also burst. One after another, after another, after another. As the water just flooded this region for miles and miles and miles. Tens of thousands of people died in the initial flood. Just eating breakfast, doing what they're doing, they didn't see it coming. Boom. Took them out. And it's been said that about a quarter million people died overall with the after effects because of the disease that was caused. All the crop failures and famine and starvation. A quarter million people died because of one thing that happened. Guys, that's what happened to a, most, to a certain extent in the garden. The second that they decided to do that, all hell broke loose, literally. The floodgates of hell burst open and the wall of evil flooded the world. And now we have things like disorder, distrust, disease, injustice, 
It wasn't just as simple, I made a mistake, God, you know, can you, can you make it better? No, it was catastrophic what was happening in the world. And they tried to cover it up. In the same way, them trying to cover up now what has happened, is like you and me trying to see that whole wall of water, and we were just going to try to patch that up with duct tape. You know, it ain't going to work. It didn't work. It didn't work. They tried to cover it up, and they couldn't, because the, literally the consequences were that catastrophic. That's what was happening around the world at that moment. All hell broke loose in the world that long. And that's when God shows up. Now I told you guys, where was Adam, right? He was with Eve, right? Quiet, not saying a thing. Where was God this whole time? You guys know that he was there too? God didn't say a thing. He had to let them remember what he had said to them. He had to let them make a decision for themselves. If God did not let them choose for themselves, they wouldn't be free, right? right. What did God say to Adam? You are free. To be free means you have to, you have, to have the ability to make choices for yourself. And you can't be free unless there was a way of you being enslaved. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way you can be free. That's what makes relationships so great. Like it's the choice of saying, like you ever heard in a wedding ceremony, they say to the man, I re rejecting all others, I choose you. Right? You gotta make a choice. Saying, ah, I got options. I got options, but I don't want this is the only option I want. It's just you. That's what makes relationships intimacy beautiful. It's being inclusive, seclusive there. That's it. That's what it is. And so God shows up and they made a mistake and you would figure God was like, yo, Adam, where are you? Which was, he was the question. But God knew where he was. He wasn't making a sarcastic, like, yo, I can't, you know, where'd you go? Like, he's not doing that. He's saying, bro, where are you? You are not in the position of authority that I put you in. Yeah. You are not on guard where you're supposed to be. What happened? Where are you, bro? Where are you? And he said, yo, and then they started, you know, no, she did it. No, man, it was him. Back and forth, back and forth. You know what God did? God didn't destroy them in that moment. He covered them. Yeah. He sacrificed an animal, took the skin, gave it, covered them, and promised to them and saying, listen, here's what it is. On one day, he prophesied at that moment in Genesis, there will be a sacrifice that will be able to cover you perfectly and completely one day. Amen. Amen. And it wasn't going to be another animal. Years later, God himself showed up, sacrificed himself in the form of our sin, son Jesus. And now in Christ, because he was crucified, now we can be covered. Our Amen. sins can be covered. And not just covered. Not just covered up. Not just covered up. When Jesus covers us, he cleanses us. Just as if nothing ever happened. But that's where it all went wrong. That's where it all went wrong. And now we have everything that we, we recognize something isn't right in the world. And that's why we go to Jesus, and that's why we talk about Jesus saving us from our sins, because it's worse than any of us can realize. But then what happens, though? What happens, though? What happens? What happens? When you're a believer, you're Jesus, you, you got saved, right? Jesus, I call you. You, did the, you walk to the front, you say the prayer, you sing the songs, you read the book, whatever you want to do now. Whatever you want to do, and then you get saved, but then you're like, hold on, what's still wrong with me, though? Something's still wrong with me. I did the right thing, right? I, I, I confessed in Jesus and I called. But why am I, if I'm still a Christian, if I'm saved, why am I still struggling? Anybody wondered that one before? If you're a believer in Christ, can I real quick? With me? Yeah. Why am I still struggling if I'm saved? If I'm struggling, does it mean I'm not saved? Now you got that mind game going. Now I'm going to be honest with you. If you're still struggling, if there's no form or evidence of life change, and argue with you probably you didn't do it right. 
You probably didn't believe right. You probably now are trying to still do what Adam and Eve did, living by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We still got people living by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Self-discovery, trying to, okay, let me do right and not do wrong. And if I do that, I'll find life. But what did God say? If y'all try to mess with that tree, if y'all try to live by right and wrong, you're going to get it wrong. There's death there, right? There's no life in trying to live by right and wrong because you can't figure it out. It's bigger than just that. It's bigger than that. People are still trying to cover things up just like Adam and Eve did. Guys, you and I do it. There comes a time that you and I realize something is missing in my life. And so we're trying to cover it up, trying to say, okay, I got this void in my life. Let me put this to cover. No, that's not going to work. Let me put this to cover. That's not going to work. Maybe it's a change of life. Maybe it's my identity. Or maybe it's this. Or maybe it's this habit. Anything, anyone. People today are still doing what Adam and Eve did. Trying to cover up what they feel is missing. And they can't do it. We can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. But if you're a Christian, though, let me pause real quick. How come you can be saved and still struggle? I want you to, can I tell you that? That's normal. You can still be saved and still struggle with a past idea, with a past thought, with past feelings. You can still struggle. It's a little different, though, than it was before, but do you know how I know this? Do you know how I know that you can still be saved and still struggle? Because Paul was saved and struggled. Yeah. The Apostle Paul. And if any dude, if, if, if anybody can claim to be, bro, you the MVP guy, it's Paul. And Paul himself, let me show you. Look at Romans chapter 7. He's writing to this church in Rome. And to the Christians in Rome, look what he says in chapter 7, verse, verse uh, 20. What have I got up there? 20 and 23. He says, now if I do what I don't want to do, I am no longer the one who does it. But it is the sin that lives in me. He's talking as a Christian. He's talking about himself, the personal. As a believer, there is something still in me, though, that is in operation. So I discovered this law. What is the law, he says, when I want to do what is good? What does he say? Evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. Like, I know what God, I, I want to do what's right. I, I love when I obey God. I love when I... Do this things in the Christian thing, but when I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my what? Mind. See what I'm saying? It's right here, bro. Yeah. It's on the mind. Taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Guys, what he's saying here, what he's saying at this moment, he's saying, listen, you can still be, you can be made right in Christ and still get things wrong. You can still be made right in Christ and get things wrong. Why? Because there's still a lingering effect. From salvation. Let, let me tell you, the same way you saw what happened when Adam and Eve messed up, like it was bigger than you realized. Well, what Jesus does in us when we're saved is pretty crazy. In fact, here's what happens. Imagine before you are saved, you have a factory in you that's just churning out sinful desires. I mean, running on four cylinders. You got a factory churning evil and wicked sinful desires. But when you are saved, that factory is shut down, destroyed, done with, closed yeah. shut. That factory is taken care of. But there's still a lingering effect left over from the factory. You guys ever heard of Chernobyl and that nuclear power plant over there from a while ago? Anybody know that one? Okay, Chernobyl was a nuclear power plant in Ukraine. And there was explosions and, and failures and, and there was some situations going on. And then what happened was that radiation went throughout all of that area, contaminating the you know, people and, and, and all this stuff. People get radiation poisoning and cancer and all these Today, look, the fact, since then, that nuclear power plant has been shut down. Not operational. It is not producing radiation. But do you know that today, there's still a region around Chernobyl that people can live there. Why? Because the radiation is still there. Even though the factory shut down a long time ago, it's not producing radiation, but there's a lingering effect there. 
You see that? That's what happens when we're saved, guys. The factory is shut down, but there's still a lingering. Still a lingering effect of our old self. Of our old ways of thinking, of our old ways of feeling, of old ways of processing. Old temptations, old addictions still have a, a taste uh, that we kind of want to still nibble on from. From time to time, I can be honest. It's there. It's a lingering effect. But what happens, guys, is different, though. The factory is shut down. You might have this lion, maybe before you had this lion that consumed you and just ate you up and you could not fight it. That lion is still there, it's still roaring. There's still a, the enemy is still a roaring lion, but that roaring lion is a toothless lion because when Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins, he rips those teeth Hallelujah. out. He rips them out. The lion can still be intimidated. Still have that strut. The lion can still have that strut, can have that roar, but it got, it's all bark, no bite. Different, but where is it all in the mind? So there's still a lingering effect. So what do we do with that lingering effect? Because Paul was frustrated. It's like, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. What's still wrong with me? Anybody ever felt like you struggle with it? Like, if I'm saved, why am I still dealing with that addiction? Why do I still feel called to that? Why am I still confused about this one thing? If God's word says this, but if, if God says this is right, but this feels right. What do I do with this? Look what he even says. Look at verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Paul is saying, who will rescue me from this body of death? Listen, he's talking to the Romans, right? I want you to leave that verse up there. He's talking to the Romans. See, the Romans, they know when he says, who can rescue me from this body of death? The Romans caught. They knew what he was trying to say. See, the Romans had this thing, capital punishment. You were committed, you committed murder, and you were guilty of murder. They didn't kill you. There was no death chair or hanging or nothing. You know what these guys did? These Romans were Jeez, these guys. What's wrong with these guys? You know what they did? If you killed somebody, they took that dead body that you were guilty of, they chained it to you. And for the rest of your life, you had to drag that dead body everywhere you went. Good luck in the day. Right? Good luck in the day. Good luck, you know, get, you know sleeping in the same bed. Good luck going home. Right? Good luck getting a job, keeping a job. When you gotta carry that corpse everywhere you go as a constant reminder of your failure, as a constant reminder of your faults, your mistakes, what you did. And what happened was eventually that rotting corpse, the smell, and that the disease, the rotting corpse would eventually infect the carrier. And you would die a slow death, slowly being consumed by the body you killed. What's wrong with you, wrong Right? Crazy. So he's saying, every time I fail, every time I mess up, every time, it's like it's right there as a constant reminder. What can save me? Who will, you know, I, 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 I misquoted. Who can save me from this body of death? Notice he didn't say what. Because what would be information? Show me how to do it and I'll do it. It's not a what. What did he say? Who can save Hallelujah. Who can save me? Amen. And in verse, look what he says in the next verse in 7 and 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Amen. Christ our Lord. Thanks be to Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord. He knows the answer. He's like, look, man, I'm, I'm made right in Christ, but I don't always get things right. And sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes I don't understand. I wish it was better at some point. But I am grateful that I have a hope. I'm grateful that I am not left without anything. Yes, sin entered the world and altered how things should be. But now, when Jesus entered the world, now he can alter what things can be. It's different now. In Christ, he can make the biggest difference. 
he, we are not left without hope. And here's the one thing I want you to remember in this Lent season. You're ready? Here's the bottom line. This is what Paul's trying to communicate. Let me drop the bottom line. Nothing can have a hold on you when Jesus gets a hold of you. That's Amen. It. you got to remember this. you got to remember this. Gravity still has a hold on the plane. 
But something is happening in the plane that is superseding, overpowering, overcoming the hold of gravity. It's the thrust of the forward engines and the nose tilt up. No, and then when the, if the plane is going fast enough and the plane or you know propellers, the flaps and everything are tilted a certain way, the same force that is pulling it down actually propels it forward. It propels it upwards. Gravity actually is using it to go up and to fly high. And so the hold is still there, but it is not being held down because there's another force that's greater. That's who we are in Christ. That's who we are in Christ. You might be surrounded by temptation. You might be surrounded by demons. You might be surrounded by all of these negative things. Evil can be present surrounding you, but you have to remember the way up is always open. The way up is always open. You've got to see all of that. You've got to see all of that.
pray the truth that we talked about today may be a great reminder the next time you have an off day, the next time you have a bad day, when things go wrong or you don't do what's right, or when you try to walk by faith, you're not really feeling it. Because the reality is the enemy got the same old play, and I don't want you falling for it anymore. He's going to try to cast a shadow on God's character, on God's truth, and try to confuse you on who and what your identity is in God. Right, but in Christ, we have so much more ammo to come against every single life that we have. Know who your God is. Know who you are in Christ. And never forget, you may feel surrounded by all sides, but the way up always. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check back as we continue the series on Lent. We are focusing again on remembering who Christ is and who we are, repenting and repositioning our lives at whichever way possible so that the Lord, through His Spirit, can continue to renew us and make a difference in us and in us. So remember all these things and also remember, be a revolutionary. See God change the world as you revolve your life around Christ and shine your light in the darkness. I bless you and I'll see you next week.